Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and you're back for the Bad Batch, bitches. We are your favorite, most defective group of Bad Batch podcasters. Well, more deviant than defective. We're back with Tillman motherfucking McClooney. What's up, homie? Glad to finally bring be bring you know diversity back to this group and be back here. I'm excited, happy to be here. Diversity, including Miles, you know, it's always great. Yeah, it's always it's always good. It's always good. But uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts uh, about this series so far because we haven't gotten to hear from you since the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I'm looking forward to it. We've also got Miles, my fucking buttress. What's up, homie? I'm happy to be back, man. Glad to, I'm happy to have you. We've been we've been talking about uh, we've been doing these podcasts for a while, dude. I'm, this is a, this is becoming yeah, Miles, Miles is on a Miles is on a roll. He's he's been here since some point in the Mandalorian, and I don't think he's missed since. I think uh, no. I think Miles. Uh, I think Miles has rode this rode this thing out. Joseph was also the same up until this episode. You know, fucking uh, slacker, <laughs> fucking slacker. But uh, we're also joined. By KBZ Kyler Barnett. What's up, homie? Not much. Ready to talk about it. Let's talk about it. First up, I want to get Tillman's thoughts on this series as a whole so far. We're three episodes in. We haven't got to hear from you yet. Let me hear how you felt about it. Just two words that you guys have covered in your past podcast for this show. Dave Filoni. Genius. Brilliant. I mean, this show has been fantastic, and you guys brought up a good point. Um, okay, the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian was epic, and uh, yes, that that one is not better than the premiere, but yes, to me, the premiere of this show out, out did every episode of season two that I saw besides that last final episode. Because just taking, you know, a group of clones and turning it into, you know, an interesting um, you know, mindscaping story that we're seeing. And it's just like, he's including, you know, the Order 66, um, you know, right after, you know, this is the gray area that we've all been wondering, you know, this is the, the more that the shows and the more information they give us about what happened between Luke Skywalker and A New Hope and the end of episode three, the more you give that to us, the, you know, the exciting it is. To just understand, okay, what's happening? How this unfold? How this unfold? How do they make these transitions? And you know, we're seeing a power struggle here between you know the clones and then the Empire. Talking about you know we don't need clones and whatnot. And I'm just I'm excited to see where this goes because also just this group of clones are not a regular group of clones. You know, their you know their genetics are different. And then I'm also you know we're seeing the struggle within the group, but also within you know how that group pertains to how is it causing a problem for the empire and for other people. And so yeah. 
you know, taking such a small factor and making it something big and as interesting as this. I'm loving this show. I'm looking forward to it every week. I'm excited. See, that was the thing that concerned me most going into this was the fact that it was such a small part of the galaxy, this small clone force. I didn't anticipate this clone force being the basis of these, uh, these very, very important storylines. You know, we get to, we get to learn more about the Kaminoans. Obviously, uh, previously we've only known them as the cloners from episode two. You know, that's kind of all we've all we've gotten of them before. We haven't really got to see their allegiances. They've always been kind of fishy, though. It's like they've always known something that everyone didn't. The people like there were people in Camino who knew about Order 66 and the inhibitor chip before it happened. So it's like how how great of a group can they be? And we kind of get glimpses in this episode that they're more out for their self-interests more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. uh I think that was very cool to see. Uh, uh, Miles, let me hear how you felt about the episode. So one, I loved the fact that, uh, as you were saying about the Kaminoans, they clearly just have a contingency after contingency to try and be sure that they stay afloat, uh, regardless of what happens with the Republic and the Empire. I think they, they have some, they, they see the writing on the wall. I think they're some, I think we're about to see some shit go down. Um, two, love the fact that, you know, <clears throat> with this being an animated show, there was, you know, I think some people were worried about, you know, this connecting to the overarching universe. And we see even it's a little, it's a tiny little tidbit, but it's just another connection to um, Rogue One, where in Rogue One, she mentions, what's it, what's it fucking called? Like War Mantle? Project War Mantle, yeah. Project War Mantle is one of the things that she notices whenever they're like looking for the Death Star plans. And we hear Project, you know, just a quick one-liner from Rogue One, and that's now a storyline for this TV show. Love that. Well, um, and- I want to, I want to jump in on that real quick about what Project War Mantle possibly could be. Uh, do you have any ideas there? Oh yeah, I think it's, I think it's their their process of replacing um, the clones. It's it's, yeah, it's creating. Yeah, creating an army that's not clones and kind of what they're doing in this first or in this episode where they are having Crosshair lead a group of, you know, top recruits. And then they're going to be the ones that eventually lead other top recruits until they until they have the the foundations to then create an army from it. Um, The final point that I wanted to get out real quick before if we talk about that some more is, uh, as my name said, Crosshair is a fucking menace, straight menace to society. God damn. Uh, Tillman texted me after we watched this episode and he goes, you know, this show is not for kids. Like, no, is a, no, this is, this is far from a children's <laughs> cartoon. Stop saying this is a kid's show. It's, it's Star Wars. No, it's just too kiddie for me. Shut up. Shut up. You know, I think, I think that transition really, cause like the original Clone Wars, the first couple seasons were very much like, oh, this is a kids TV show. And then as the show like went further and further along, it became a little more adult, but it still wasn't adult. And then we saw once, uh, cause Filoni was in charge of season seven, right? Well, he was in charge of like, he started getting more and more of at the helm of things like season four, five, six, seven. Yeah, like, but seven, he was like seven. I know, for, oh, that, I know for that sure. Was like all he was, him. that was him. Yeah. He was, he was all season seven, and that's where I think we saw this. What is just an animated TV show for Clone Wars season seven turn into more of an adult animation, like an, an adult oriented animated TV show, and we're just seeing it continued here, where 
this is not this is not for for kids. This is well, we're seeing them slaughter civilians, which is what you know it's not the most child you, friendly. I'm gonna tell you if this is a live action series, not only is that a little more haunting. But also that Ordo Moon Dragon, some of those shots, if they were in live action, would have actually been more horrifying than anything we've seen in Star Wars. Like, bro, like that shit where Hunter like looked up and the the shit's claws like wrapped around the rock. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly when it was, but like if in in live action, if we got like the effect of like a real claw like that, that oh. would have been truly horrifying. Like. <laughs> That like and the fact that they can so effectively awesome. do that horror thriller thing in animation is fantastic. Thinking thinking about that, I just want I want a Star Wars horror movie. There's oh, so man. much like weird, creepy shit oh, in the Star but, Wars okay, universe. Okay, it's so cool to see some shit like that. I thought they said that one of the shows was gonna. I, it wasn't necessarily like horror, but they said they were gonna be a little bit darker. I can't remember. What I think that that's it. Was. This is the horror. This is the horror yeah. thriller show they were talking about. Oh, oh okay. This well, and probably Dark Acolyte. I'm a, or the Acolyte. That's, that's or the one I was thinking of. That's the one I was thinking. The Acolyte. Of. What the fuck? That's gonna um, follow a Sith, a Sith apprentice, uh, and it's being created by the developer of like Russian Doll. And uh, a few other things. So, no uh, mystery so- thriller. Ooh, it's a uh, final days of the High Republic. Okay, I'm for that. Yeah, exactly. To kind of pick up on what Colton said about the, you know, if this were live action, that's exactly what I thought when we got to the uh, the scene, the battle scenes on. I forget what the planet's called. Can someone bail me out here? I'm coming under. Yes. The scenes on that planet, those battle scenes and the animation and just how that fight and battle all took place and just the movement of it was fantastic. I was, was like, beautiful. I was shocked at that. I guess, I don't know. I felt like the animation's been really good. It hasn't been bad or distracting. It hasn't been a detractor from the show at all up to this point. But I felt like this episode, there was just so much good action that this animation elevated so much more that it there was like, wow, it looked too. really great. Yeah, there was that shot of Crosshair's mask, and it was like just his face, and like it was so perfectly symmetrical, and it just looked so real. Like it looked like it yeah. was like we were well, looking at a live action clone mask. And I was like, what I loved it. about this was this was like the way this was animated. It feels like how this would look and feel in live action. The way the camera work would be in live action, I felt like the animation, like absolutely did that exact thing perfectly. Yeah, like they're, they're so, trying Yeah, they're like trying they were to trying to like, mimic that. Yeah. Make, yeah. And it I loved it. I thought the episode was fantastic. I didn't really know I guess what we were like I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't heard or read anything about it until I watched it today, actually. And man, it was like I was, was a good really episode. yeah, I was really shocked at how like much substance there was from beginning to end and how like Oh, I guess, and let me tell you, I was like, that, I was, that wasn't like the stuff about Tarkin and their storyline on Camino was the most compelling shit of this oh, episode, which me. is funny like, because that was that yeah, was the shit right there. Well, I feel like there's sometimes in shows where, like, you know, you've got these two different sides that, like, two different stories that are taking place in the same episode, yeah, and like, a, you know, you always, 
yeah, you always feel like when the A story's on, you're real, real into it, and then the B one comes back, and you're like, uh, I'm with it, but let's, I'm not. Let's hurry this. Let's hurry this shit up yeah, and get, get back, back to story. I wanted all of that. No, today it was like I couldn't get enough of either one. It was like when the other one would go, I'd be like, oh dang, and then I'd get to it, and I'd be like, oh. And I love, I love the title of this episode, replacements, because it it is another theme through the A and B storyline. You got the bad batch on the search for a replacement to their capacitor. You know, that's the whole storyline is they're after that replacement. And then we've got the storyline about the clones getting their replacements, the elite squad, the eventual, the, the eventual replacement of the entire army. And I think that's, uh, I thought that was, I like when a title does that, you know, it really encompasses both storylines in one word. It's just kind of like replacements. And I liked that. And there was one line this episode too that really, really stuck with me. Um, Rampart. It was from Rampart to uh, Tarkin. It was right when they first walked up to each other and they were talking about, uh, I think this idea has promise or something. And then, what did he say? I can't remember. Some, anybody. It was super powerful, like the line he used specifically. It was about, um, Oh, man. Let's see. I'm I looking through my it. notes. Sorry, I gotta. I'm trying to find it. I got you. I got you. Talking about like building up the next empire is like of the. I don't. The a way he burgeoning it, new empire. Yeah, and all just the way he spoke about it was just like really. I guess uh, it's cool to see it talked about like this when it's not that much of a sure thing or like big thing yet. You know, like, like them. Yeah, that's it's, what I like about Rampart. He feels like General Hux from the sequel trilogy. Arguably, could have been one of the best characters. I, I would agree. Further, like that speech he gives in the Force Awakens. Holy fuck! Holy Dude, fuck! That was really fantastic. Yeah. But that's the vibes I'm getting off Rampart. You know, that's kind of the uh, the position he'll take. Uh, but how would you guys like to dive into the scene by scene breakdown? I've got my notes here. We can Let's dive get after it. Let's get after it. Yeah, should get it. So, we got the bad batch bitches number three replacements. Uh, we open on the crew in hyperspace where a uh, hunter is dealing the team their uh, food rations, uh, and they're running low. And Wrecker's quite disappointed about this, but Omega's here to offer hers to him. And Wrecker's like, "Fuck yeah, thanks." Hunter has to like push him aside and be like, uh, "Dude, Omega doesn't even have a place to fucking sleep. You want to take her food too?" Listen, and, uh, your asshole. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Record tells her to, he was like, uh, you know, you can keep it. And, you know, he tells Hunter he's not used to having a kid around and none of them are, you know, what, what, they're just some fucking clones. They never expected to have to take care of a kid. Uh, but, you know, the, the power flickers and we learned that since their encounter on Salukamai, the ship isn't in great shape. But, uh, tech notes that the diagnostics have indicated that no critical systems were hurt and right on cue, they fall out of hyperspace. Which Hunter smartassly says, "Yeah, looks like no critical systems, huh? Jesus, come on, Tech." And uh, Tech says it's not affecting life support, so it can't be that yeah. bad. But uh, you know, I love, I love that he, that Hunter gives the smartass response, and Tech goes, "I mean, I mean, we're still alive though, so how bad can it, it really be?" That critical. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I loved that too. But you know, <laughs> he says it's not affecting life support life support but the power capacity capacitor was blown and uh they prepare omega for the crash Riker sits next to her and uh the ship 
crashes through the fog of the planet and Wrecker is just in a panic in a panic. We're going to die. We're going to die. And then he looks down at Omega. He's like, we're going to be fine. The Wrecker was such a Wrecker was like barely in this episode in terms of like actually on screen. But the moments he was, his dialogue was so fantastic. This episode, he he takes over the screen, man. Wrecker really dominates. He's like a puppy dog, like just a reckless puppy dog. You know what I'm saying in that regard where it's like just goofy as shit, just fucking reckless. I mean, obviously that makes sense, but it's just funny to me. He's like – He's just got a heart of gold too. Oh, yeah. I love Wrecker. But, you know, as they they crash down, Tech makes a relatively safe landing and Omega opens her eyes and it's like, is it over? And, uh, you know, the crew discusses this storm overhead, how it's rendering their comms closer and closer to useless. And Tech notes that their capacitors were damaged in the firefight with the regs, but inventory says they should have a replacement on board. And uh, Omega, trying to be as helpful as she can, grabs a random container and is like, is this it? Is this what you need? Is this the thing? And uh, they're all like, fuck, man, why'd you have to do that? (laughs) She's like, she's like, what? And you know, this is crosshair stuff. Uh, the, the, the wound's still there, clearly, very clearly. They, uh, they haven't really taken the time to even think about it. Episode two was all gas. They never really took a time, took a second to pause and talk about crosshair. And, uh, you know, Wrecker confesses that he kind of misses him. And they're like, dude, he fucking shot you. And he's like, yeah, that hurt. And he says it like he kind of like, like loved it. Like, it, like, it reminded me. It reminded me of Drax when he got drugged behind the Milano in Guardians Two, and he's just getting pelted by trees and drugged through trees and through a plane crash. And at the end, he was like, "That was awesome." Just thirst. I for feel pain, like man. every time I watch Wrecker, he reminds me. There's like this class of characters that Wrecker belongs in. Drax is in there. And the other one that reminds me, Miles will get this. Tormund Giantsbane from Game of Thrones. You remember Tormund? Red, red bearded fella, giant. Yeah. Wanted to hit on the big woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. He does, he does belong in that group of characters. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's just, they all, they all fit together for some reason. And it's, uh, it's their, their, their biggest shit and they're goofy and they have, they, they, they mean well. They, they mean well. Uh, but you know, uh, they, they go on to discuss the, uh, the potential causes for Crosshair's actions. And Tech says it's probably a fair assumption that the inhibitor chip is what's controlling Crosshair's behavior. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? It can do that? And Omega's like, yeah, that's like literally what they're for. That's why they are there. And uh, Wrecker is still confused. He's like, so it wasn't Crosshair's fault? Like, he's just trying to get someone to tell him how he should feel about Crosshair at this point. <laughs> he's essentially the... Uh, <coughs> so explain this to me like I'm five. That's Wrecker. Yeah. Right tell now. me whether I need exactly. to hate or forgive him. <laughs> you guys tell, tell me, me now. Tell me what to think. But a hunter, you know, he's, he's not the talker when it comes to his feelings. And uh, he cuts the convo short. And he says that uh, they need to find the capacitor and get off this rock. And uh, I, we just continue to see these parallels to me between Hunter and Din Djarin. They just couldn't more plainly be very, very similar, similar characters to me. They just 
or they're reprising this very similar role that I think, I mean, I'm in love with, and I love both these characters. Uh, but I am interested to see how ultimately they can make this storyline different than that of Grogu and Din. Like what happens with Omega? Like it's all very, it, it's all very up in the air right now. And I'm excited to see where it goes. But uh, back on Camino, Crosshair continues to get examined, and uh, he has a not-so-friendly interaction with a droid. And then we see the newly promoted Grand Moff Tarkin speaking with Nala Say. So, between episode one, when we last saw him, when he was just uh, a, a little old uh, fucking lieutenant or something like that, Lieutenant Tarkin or something like that, now he is Governor and Grand Moff Tarkin. He has, he's received, the he's, he's seen benefits in this short span. But uh she says that Crosshair is responding favorably favorably to the procedure. And I, I'm assuming this is just them like slowly more and more turning up his inhibitor chip. Like is that like they're just seeing how far they can take this shit? I mean that would make sense, would it not? Yeah. They're just Dude, like, he how, basically how? just he just got the John Walker treatment is what just happened. That's what just happened. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> He's just like, so you guys are just going to keep making me more and more like, yep, we can murder anybody as long as it's in the name of the Empire. And that's just that's what they're doing. But uh, from the dark, another Imperial officer appears. It's uh, Rampart, and he's asking about the enhanced clone. And uh, they inform him that this clone is top of his class. And then Tarkin asks the status of Project War Mantle, which we heard of in Rogue One, like Miles stated earlier. And uh, the officer tells Tarkin that the top recruits are here to begin their training under their new commander. And they all look to Crosshair. And it's like, oh, shit. This is kind of dope. It's a good idea. Uh, I want to jump to something that we're going we're gonna to get to later in the episode. But the plan that Nala Say and uh, the Prime Minister have to develop more uh, enhanced clones... And uh, they were saying how they were going to need the Bad Batch to do it, but all they need is one enhanced clone... They have crosshair. Should it be that difficult? They seem to be really stressing about it. Yeah. I mean, crosshair, though, maybe because crosshair, you know, those ones weren't made. Those ones weren't. They, their intention wasn't to create, you know, uh, superior uh, physically and just, you know, combat clones. Like, but they turned out that way. So, you know, what if, like, Omega is like an experiment? Like I'm not saying like I'm I'm just taking a theory. Like what if she's she was an experiment while they were trying to create those genetically enhanced clones and she was an experiment um and that's how she ended up becoming she's like I'm one of you guys, you know, cuz and then you know, cuz I was like cuz she's always on like her right she was always on I'll say's like right hip, you know, everywhere she goes and you know she's like looked at her like a like a like a mother like yeah, I feel like yeah, I think I think that Omega was definitely going to be the the basis for a bunch of future clones like that was the that was the idea behind omega was like we've created this enhanced clone and we will create more enhanced clones because of this enhanced clone but you know ultimately she got off the rock and uh is with the bad batch so we don't really know where that's headed mm -hmm. and if uh so i'm interested to see if like we see camino set like a bounty on the Bad Batch that's like separate from the Empire or something that's like bring these people in alive or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun. It'd be an, it'd be a fun, and that would be why 
we'd be getting Fennec Shand. Which we know we will be getting Fennec Shand in this series. So I think it's clear that Fennec Shand will be after someone in the Bad Badge. Ooh. That's the impression I get. And I'm all for some Fennec Shand. I, I, I am well, about she's, it. Oh, dude, I love Fennec Shand. I love Ming-Na Wen, and I'm so excited for her to be the, the right-hand man to Boba in the Book of Boba. That's going to be the I shit. Mean, that conversation we had about her just changed my opinions just wholeheartedly. Just she, she is elevated to a whole new rank in just my like Star Wars character like ranks. She is. Just, I mean, she's she's been she's been the shit in everything. She's uh, she's been a part of Marvel as Agent Melinda May. She's been. I'm I'm assuming we all know the conversation I'm talking about with Fennec Shand, right? I do. We're, we're I on do the same page. Right? I just want to make sure we all remember that. Just had we had we had the Patreon. Had we had the Patreon at the time, that would have been a Patreon exclusive discussion, probably. But it's for it's full access. The Mandalorian rewatch hey, somewhere hey, in there. We gave y'all that one for free. <laughs> You're welcome. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the Imps make their way through the uh, the halls of Camino, and uh, this young officer ramparts is spewing about how a new strong central government must have an increase in soldiers to maintain order throughout the galaxy and i was like wow this guy is like really really imperial like he's like not not even shameful about it he's just like you know what let's let's impose martial law that's exactly what we should do that's that's the good move that's the right move like without any inhibitor chip this guy's like fuck yeah let's take this bitch over but uh you know, Nala say, says they are uh, fully capable of creating more clones, but the officer retorts that there are other ways to create loyal soldiers. And they arrive to a hangar where Tarkin is introduced to their first elite squad. And I had, th- I had this thought. Their uh, armor, the black with the green accent, looks an awful lot like the death troopers we see later on in Rogue One. Is there any chance that these elite squads eventually go on to become the death troopers? I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like Crosshair Cross is the first death trooper. I, I think don't know if they is. become death troopers, but I know at least one of them becomes dead. So, <laughs> but you know, also you know, then when you know, you're gonna probably get to this point that he, sh- you know, she now say in them stress, you know, well, our clones are trained from birth to be soldiers, to be whatnot. But I mean. I also think about, I'm like, okay, well, do the clones have a certain limit that they reach? You know, can, can they exceed, exceed upon their potential? Because, you know, also they were also talking about how, you know, I think Noah Jango gone, you know, the, like the, the, um, the genetic you know, material, the genetic material of the clones gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you're end up cloning a clone, you know, or the genetic material, yeah, is decreasing. So then you have to, what, at that point, what do you clone a clone? Like, and then that's just not going to be as good as cloning based off of the regular one. That's why I think their plan was to start cloning an enhanced clone. Yeah, and that's why I, I, think, I think they were they were grooming Omega, letting her grow fully, and then they were going to they were gonna yeah. clone that. And I could see Ram, the success of Rampart's idea because, you know, like, as a, as a normal human being, if you're not the clone, with training and whatnot, there's ways for you to get better. You can, you can, it's practice makes perfect. Practice makes almost perfect, you know? But like with a clone, is there a limit set? And so when he's saying, when they eventually go on, like, you know, how about we have the clones train the, um, 
trained the uh the licensed soldier or the enlisted soldiers or whatever they call them. Conscripted. Conscripted. Yeah. God, where's my Webster dictionary? Conscripted soldiers. So like, yeah. you know, because their potential uh, regular human beings potential, you know, because there's not a clone, you know, you can get better, you can improve, you can practice, you can Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I get you for sure. Yeah. I think uh and, and they do have that conversation later and there's a a very, very good point to what Rampart says about how getting people who enlist willingly would be massive for us. Like that, th- that would breed a loyalty unlike anything the clones can bring us because they want to fight for the Empire. And I think what they're going to find is that there's not a lot of people who want to fight willingly for the Empire. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they're going to have to start, you know, going to planets and kidnapping children and bringing them up through a system and ultimately doing the same thing they would have done for clones, but, you know, uh, more uh, uh, unethical. Yeah. yeah, but you know, when they watch the original saga of Star Wars, you definitely, you know, you see the, um, you see that there's troopers going around and whatnot, stormtroopers and whatnot, but you also see regular people with different faces and different genders serving the Empire. So like you said, there will be people who want to serve for the Empire. You'll see definitely people stationed around, you know, who are regular people. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, based off what we've seen, I don't mean they don't take their helmets off, but there are some type of stormtroopers, which I assume would still be the clones in effect. But the whole Order sixty six, yeah. they're fighting the Republic now. I mean, Empire. yeah, I get. But you know, uh, Rampart explains that uh, these are the top soldiers from around the galaxy, and if they can get more squadrons like this trained by these enhanced clones, they would make a formidable army. And Tarkin says that it's not a bad idea, and uh, Rampart goes on to say it can bring strength to the burgeoning new empire. And Nala say watches on, concerned. That is the line Kyler was talking about. Say that shit. Say that shit. I don't have the line. I have. He knows it can bring strength to a burgeoning empire. But back with the Bad Batch. They're replacing the capacitors. You know, Echo hears something in the distance rustling and he turns to find what he's heard. His flashlight pans and his uh, tech gets the capacitor fastened. Echo notices massive scratches on the ship's hull. And uh, tech's like, well, those certainly weren't there when we uh, when we landed. And uh, then we see this creature take the capacitor in his mouth and it starts like glowing from top to bottom. And I was like, this is dope. This is a cool ass creature. And uh, it scurries off with the uh, the new capacitor. And back inside, Wrecker grabs at his head, groaning, groaning in pain, saying uh, he must have hit his head in the crash. And fuck, I'm concerned about Wrecker, guys. Um, I okay. This is where I want to talk. Sorry, you go say your piece, but I had thoughts on this too. No, I mean we're thinking the same. We're thing. We're all thinking this, the yeah, same thing. Yeah, dude, it's got to be that inhibitor chip, right? And that's, no, it has to be like that. And shit, that is some fucking, No, and the fact that if it can be activated by them getting hit in the head, it puts all of them in danger. Like any of them, well, yeah, any combat, of their inhibitor chip. Combat, you just not, dude. Imagine a clone knocking the shit out to you, and all of a sudden you're fighting with that dude. What the what what? Well, maybe no. we're gonna see that little. That uh, is device the worst that... mother. That is probably the worst motherfucker on the team, other than Crosshair to switch sides. And this motherfucker may be doing it too. This is about to be some fucking Colin Veronica shit. Holy shit! We're well, that's the fuck. thing is that like obviously Wrecker redeems himself at the end of this episode in a way that's like okay, maybe we're okay. But is there a no, chance that this is the last good deed? Yeah, that makes me more scared. That he, he like, 
Maybe he just hurt his head. Maybe his neck just hurts. No, they ain't catching. Yeah, him. they wouldn't keep. They wouldn't keep going back Dude, to they it. Pay, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Also, there were maybe. shots. There were shots where Record doesn't say a word. Where the entire time he's just scratching at his head, and, and he it, doesn't. And then he like exits the screen, doesn't yeah. say a thing. Like but maybe this that. is they have that little device that uh that. Te- what, what's the tech? Yeah, tech? What's his name? Is it te- okay? That yeah, tech, tech was working on instead of you know fixing the ship originally. Maybe they have that thing come into play and they figure out that Wrecker's inhibitor chip has come on and they have to do something to turn it off. Because that know. was the whole point know. of what he was building was seeing if our inhibitor chips are active or not. Well, here's something. I this leads to a new, different line of questioning. You know with the theory that like the inhibitor chips could go off. Is there any chance that this series culminates in like a, in a, a character like crosshair breaking free of that inhibitor chips influence. And in the midst of a battle dies, protecting his brethren, you know, dies, protecting the bad batch. I think that's a very, very real possibility considering star Wars track record with, that sort of thing. It just seems likely the person who fall into the dark side would naturally make the sacrifice who, which saves the team. Now that gets more complicated. If other inhibitor chips go off, then that yeah. means I think we have, Oh yes. Oh, but think oh. about it. Cause does Omega have one? She doesn't right? Or wouldn't likely have. One. I gotta think, I gotta think Omega probably has an inhibitor chip. Oh. I gotta think she doesn't have one. I was thinking she doesn't, and if she doesn't, and they all do, and some bad things would happen. Oh, oh, oh no! Let's Nicole, just put dismiss that nightmare thought. Based off of what you, you know, you were gonna get there later because there's some stuff that Crosshair does in some scenes. We're gonna get there later, but I'm I'm, I'm calling for the Crosshair uh, redemption arc. I'm calling for it. I, I, okay, so at least we got actually, that shot. We got that shot. Have- at least there's actual potential of a redemption arc, dude. People were talking about a John Walker redemption arc, and the director acted like it was a guaranteed thing. I was like, we do not Bro, the dude. After the we do not out, the director was like the director was like, yeah. and I think in the finale, people everybody does like John Walker. Yeah, no, like, I said I literally yeah, no, I know, dude. No, we don't fuck with dude. Oh, we we love John Walker. Dude. No, I thought John Walker saved <laughs> himself. He saved the he saved the bus. Save the bus. Hey, but more importantly, Tillman, I didn't know why you're down for a John Walker redemption arc and a Crosshair redemption arc, but you thought a fucking Zemo redemption arc was the end of the goddamn world. <laughs> I didn't – no, what, I didn't think – I didn't – hold up. Are you saying that I thought that uh, Zemo wouldn't redeem himself? Yes. No, I thought he redeemed himself. I just thought he killed Bucky and tried to kill Bucky in the end. That's all. <laughs> I see, I see. But, that's not very redemption of. Hey, I mean, you can. Yeah, that's not, that's not proper grammar, but I couldn't think of the words. So that's not I'll very redemptiony of him. That's not, <laughs> you that's can redeem not, yourself and then fuck up again. It's all. Cool. Oh no, no! It's a character, Tillman. Once they redeem themselves, they're good forever. No. <laughs> but you know, nevertheless, Echo tells Hunter that something has uh, damaged the exterior hole. And uh, then the power goes out and uh, they hear stomping on the top of the ship. And then in front of Omega, a, the creature shows its face and it scares the shit out of her. And tech informs them that this creature is probably an Ordo moon dragon, which feeds on energy and was probably attracted to the capacitor for this reason. Tell and me why. Hunter... Tell me why. As soon as I saw this thing, 
and I knew Omega was going out there. I just knew exactly what was going to happen. That was probably the yeah. only thing I didn't like was that that just you saw that coming from a mile away. But I right. understand that like well, it's, it's everything another little... can't be chained curveballs and everything. So I guess I understand. But I was just well, like, the... oh well, man, that was just the writing on the wall. Another thing that I like about this is it's. I think it further parallels Omega and Ray. Yeah, I, was I think gonna they, say, yeah. they've gone back that on that a couple of times. Like this was very reminiscent of that scene in the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. where instead of ever opting to hurt the uh, giant animal, she you know instead throws the flashlight away and is like, "Oh shit, you're just hungry. You don't want to even want to fuck with me. You just want this fucking flashlight. Here, take it." And you know she makes her way off. That's later on though, but you know uh, Hunter tells wrecker to stay on the ship as he keeps grabbing at his head and like he just he's, he's grabbing at his head the whole episode guys like he's got to have a pretty bad fucking headache he's, he's gonna... fine oh no but uh he he tells omega to stay too and she argues hey i'm part of the squad too and uh this argument sways him and he tells her to stay close and uh wrecker continues to groan in pain as they make their way outside but we cut to the elite squad uh discussing the empire and one notes that uh, he has food in his stomach and a roof over his head, and that's more than the Republic ever did for him. And I thought this was interesting. So, where are they, where do you think they like recruited these top soldiers from around the galaxy? Like, is there a chance this is like an outer rim sort of thing, where the Republic wasn't very strong? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Was or it could it could be somebody um, who was caught in the middle of the war because you know we saw you know earlier Clone Wars episodes many true, many true. many worlds where they they talked about the effects of the war and how we don't like the war and you, it's just you all are you see two sides fighting and not caring about who's in between the Republic promised to do this and do that and true, our world true. has been destroyed and it could have been like the Empire coming to that world and being like here here's a roof here's some food get a job good luck well Charlie. it actually you know? reminds me. Good that actually Charlie. reminds me of the uh, the heir to the empire. There's this uh, th- those books from the '90s written by Timothy Zahn about uh, Thrawn's like reign. You know, there's a storyline in which the empire has been gaslighting an entire planet into thinking it's not destroying its planet, but they keep draining it of its resources. You know, and that's kind of like the Republic was the good guys. You know, but nevertheless, they did abuse resources. And abuse civilians, you know, like there was, there was a lot of stuff that got caught in the crossfire that happened a lot. And, uh, like Sagarera's sister, you know, that's a good example to tie into this series too. Sagarera's sister was a, was a, uh, casualty of a battle between the Empire and, or not the Empire and the Republic, the Separatists and the Republic. And it was arguably the Republic's fault, you know, like that's, that's just been prevalent throughout the series. So it would make sense that there's this, Mm-hmm. This openness from some to the Empire and a welcome change. Like, as we saw fucking Palpatine at the at the Senate, he got a massive applause when he said that it would be the formation of the First Galactic Empire. Well, and I mean, yeah. you guys were talking about, like, different places that it could be. It could even be fucking Coruscant, because, you know, lots of people weren't living great in, on Coruscant. They were living in yeah. the lower levels that were pretty dog shit if they weren't one yeah. of the people on the higher levels. So that's the whole issue with, yeah, there's a, there's a reason why, you know, this, the fall of the Republic didn't happen during the High Republic era. So High Republic era was probably good for a lot of people. At that point in the Republic, it was pretty dog shit for most people. 
Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And obviously that's Palpatine influencing it so that people were open for this change into the yeah. into the empire from the republic. But you know, uh we then see Tarkin and the prime minister and uh, Rampart standing over a hologram of that squad that's discussing. And the prime minister argues that uh, conscripted recruits will never reach the same proficiency as clones. And uh, Rampart argues that loyalty of those who willingly enlist is where the value truly comes because skills can be taught, but loyalty can't, you know. Colton? But I kind of think the clones are an example of loyalty being, it's not even taught, it's ingrained. It's ingrained, yeah. yeah like programmed. I don't understand that. That's not like I wouldn't have keyed on that specific point. That's just kind of weak, in my opinion. But uh, hey, yeah. Well, that's not, the thing is they can they can get the loyalty from from other places for a lot cheaper than what they can oh, get okay. from So for. this is like Nike sending their operations, and this is offshoring. This is just yes, yeah. It's, it's all exactly. it's all about money. That's like yeah, all yeah, the, because, they're, they're, the empire's trying to hoard resources. That like yeah, you know, what they're doing. All right, well, and Shout also out. the empire it doesn't need the it doesn't need the clone. You know the 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 high efficiency super elite troops anymore. They just need a lot of good enough troops. That are better they need than a lot of cops. what? <laughs> they they need a lot uh, of cops. I mean, yeah, they need a lot of they need a lot of 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 troops that are just good enough to where they can project power over the rest of the galaxy, but not so good that they're you know these super elite troops that are super expensive because they're you know you don't need you don't need super elite you know clone or like even like death trooper level troops to go sit on a garrison on fucking Tatooine. Exactly. We can, so them, them, we, can we can train them for six months. Yeah, we can train them for six months. Arm them, arm them to the teeth with just a whole bunch of military equipment and make them patrol neighborhoods. That's all. That's all we have to do. You know, that's all we'd have to do. Who made the empire. cheaper? Who made the cheaper argument? Was that Miles or Kyler? Uh me. And that's a good. That that's, a, that's a good argument because if you think about it, the clones were bred for what reason? For war. War. War is over. So why should we pay you to keep creating war weapons, essentially? Yeah, yeah well, they needed the really, – that makes sense, especially in the war. Like, you needed those elite, like, highly yeah. trained troops, but now it's like you're just – You need a security guard. Yeah, you're yeah, just you a security need, guard. You're just, As I said, some asshole who you gave a gun to, trained him for a month, ship him out to Tatooine, call it good. Exactly. You Obviously don't need- not Tatooine. That's just the the biggest planet that I can think of off the top of my yeah. head. But well, you, you know, whatever other fucking you know run of the mill planet in the Star Wars galaxy. I said, Colton, you said police officers. Yes, they need police officers at first. Basically, I mean, not the same idea, but it's thinking about like for for a museum overnight. You don't need a police officer to sit there and just keep guard, and make sure everything's in order. You just need a security guard. And right now, they're just needing security guards, basically. True. True. But, you know, Tarkin says that a test for these conscripted soldiers is in order. They must be seen in action. And he'll see if they can do what Clone Force 99 could not. So they'll send them to Onderon to take out Saw Gerrera and their insurgency of rebels. Yep. And uh, again, the prime, we get another shot of a Kaminoan exiting the room, kind of like sweating it, you know, like, fuck, this isn't looking good for us. God, yeah. God damn it! <laughs> as as I said, Cameron Owens thinking up of what contingency they need to use to to not get fucked on by the Empire. Well, exactly. quick question. And, and what's up? Why is Iden Versio in that group? 
It looked a lot like it Iden versus in that group. I'm happy. I'm okay. I'm happy. I'm not the only one who recognized that because I saw that and I was like, "What the fuck?" You played no, I don't do all of you out there. Why is Iden versus in that group? I just need to know. She I mean, like my first thought when I saw, her, I was like, "That's Iden versus But like timeline wise, it could it could be. I feel like if that's the case, she looks young for a long time. Hey, I mean, think about it. She like had like a daughter line. in Battlefront 2, and she was kind of a MILF. <laughs> she! If, if Dave Filoni pulls movie, off uh, having Iden Versio, Dave Filoni. Have you seen, have you guys seen the movie, uh, Blind Spotting with, uh, David Diggs and Raphael Casal? Shit's phenomenal. And the chick who plays Iden Versio in Battlefront is in it. So that's the only connection. Oh, okay. But, uh, Strongly recommend Blind Spotting, a top five top five favorite movie of mine all time. But uh, back with the Bad Batch, we see uh, Hunter and Omega making their way through the dark, st- stormy landscape, and uh, Hunter kneels to the ground, analyzing it, you know. And uh, Omega asks, you know, what he's doing, and he tells her he's tracking. And she picks up the dirt like he did, and she does the same thing, and she just kind of looks at it like, "What the fuck? What and, the uh, fuck did this asshole just do?" <laughs> How is he even? What what is he getting yeah. out of this? Also, can and I just say I, real still, quick? I can't remember. I said it earlier, but it really took very little convincing on her part to get him to let her go out onto a fucking unknown planet or moon or whatever the fuck they're on into the dark of night, chasing after some fucking beast that feeds on energy. <laughs> it's interesting. It's an interesting choice. Yeah, she was like, uh, he was like, no, I don't think it's safe for you. And she goes, but I'm I'm part of the squad. He goes, Mom, you got me there. All right, let's go. Got me there, got me there honey. Thank you, guys. Got, got me there, daughter. It's not item versio. The time, the time. No, it is. It the is. The timeline doesn't match up. It's not. It is. No, it is. Doesn't, the timeline just doesn't match up. It, just, it is. It is. It I'm is sorry. her. I'm looking at an article right now confirming. The timeline just doesn't match up. Mm, at least she, I think. She's a part of the empire when it falls. That's, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's saying. She's like, isn't she like on Endor? You have to think about it from the. It's only yeah, like she knew Leia years. as an adult. It's only story. eighteen years between this and the and the fall of the empire. True. She knew Leia okay. As an yeah, adult yeah. Story. So. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. This doesn't confirm it. I'm sorry. This is just saying that Rampart is presenting cl- or presenting people to be precursors to the Death Troopers from Rogue One or the Imperial Special Forces unit led by Iden Versio. Okay, it's Iden Versio's mother. So, yes. <laughs> but uh, all right. Go ahead. You know, uh, she asked Hunter uh, as they keep moving, you know, could I learn to track like you? And he's like, well, it is an enhanced skill. I was programmed to have this, like, Wrecker and Tech. We each have one. And uh, Omega adds, and Crosshair. And, you know, he doesn't He doesn't respond. He does the stereotypical brooding, I'm not going to answer that thing. And uh, she says, you shouldn't be mad at him. He can't help it. And uh, Hunter says that more than anything, he's angry at himself. They don't leave their own behind. And I was like, I appreciate this about Hunter. Like, Hunter is, like, all around, very sound dude. Like, I don't have, like, any complaints about Hunter, frankly. How do y'all, like, it's interesting. Like, every, like, Wrecker's a little bit of a dumbass. Tech can't read a lot of social cues. Uh, Crosshair is now evil. Uh, Echo, Echo also a swell guy, frankly. 
but uh, he is very, very uh, soldiery, you know, to me. Yeah. Hunter well, just seems like a guy. What he is. Because he was a Exactly. 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 But Hunter just Hunter, seems like a right. fucking guy. Hunter, Hunter seems the able most to, like, normal. See, see movement. He can, like, he can, like, see heat with his eyes. Yeah. Hunter seems like the most normal dude out of them all. Yeah, like, the, the most normal in that, like, if I, like, sat down and talked to him, I'd be like, who the fuck is this asshole? Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you know, as you said, like, all of them have, like, things that are, like, weird about them, except for Hunter. Yeah, and, you know, Omega says, uh, then, then they'll get him back. They'll get Crosshair back. That's, that's her mission at this point for me, you know? More than anything, she's going to try and get Crosshair back if she has the opportunity. As we saw in uh, the first or second episode, or first episode, she was like, you know, I know what you're about to do. Don't do it. I feel like she's going to she's gonna try and talk him back again at some point. But uh, we, uh, we're then with the uh, elite squad bound for Onderon, and uh, one of the squad has an ego on him, and uh, he'll pay for it. He says he doesn't know the uh, significance of the, the clones if they're bringing the conscripted soldiers in, and he tells them that he should enjoy his command for now. Uh, dude doesn't know who he's fucking with, frankly. Uh, get your shit together and shut your mouth, bitch boy. <laughs> but on the planet, the rebels are ready to leave Onderon, uh, knowing they've been made, their base has, and, uh, they see a sensor has been triggered and they stand at the ready, ready to, ready for a fight. Uh, and then out of nowhere, they begin to get picked off one by one and fuck the, just the, the fucking spacing. The setting, it's just perfect. It's like, it's beautiful. It's beautifully done for like a, like a battle scene. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, the elite squad lays down a smoke grenade and the elite squad starts, uh, you know, raining hell. They're just destroying these guys. And, uh, Hunter and Omega get eyes on the capacitor back with the bad batch and Hunter approaches it. And when he reaches to grab it, he sees the Ordo Moon Dragon doing that fuck, he, you know, put his, put his hands on the rock and, let his claws come down one by one, and it was all freaky like. And uh, you know, it it really fucks up Hunter. It attacks him, rips off his mask, and uh, the the dragon makes off with the fucking capacitor. And uh, Omega, me get... no. <laughs> Omega gets the no sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you're cool. Omega gets the mask and she puts it back on Hunter, but you know he's been out for a second, so it's gonna take a take a minute before he's uh, back up and conscious. So she goes ahead and grabs Hunter's blaster and goes after the dragon. She's like, fuck it, I can do this. And uh she she just climbs right into the thing's little hole. Just whoop. See you guys later. And uh she begins her hunt. She's she's doing the tracking thing, just like uh just like her pops. But back on Onderon, the rebels continue to be picked off just one by one. They're going down and uh when the rebel ship is ready for takeoff, they're like, Finally, we're getting out of here. Thank God. And Crosshair's like, nah. Snipes the pilot. Just done for there. And uh, the ship crashes down and they open the hole and Crosshair asks, where's Guerrera? And the rebel goes, uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't tell you if I did. And he immediately shoots her and he says, I believe you. And I was like, God damn, this guy is cold. I believe you. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. That I don't know. Wild. Okay. This episode really did it for me. I knew I knew where Crosshair's voice resonated with me from. Anybody in here ever play Call of Duty growing up? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Makarov, MW2 slash MW3. 
Yes, you know sir. the no. You know the mission from MW2. No Russian. Did I get to play in MW2? But go ahead. This is exactly <laughs> how Crosshair sounds, and the way he acts makes total sense. You're right. Makes total sense. I, I get what you're saying. I would agree like, with you. It almost sounds exactly the same, like the same guy. It almost sounds that like that way. It's crazy. To me. Well, have you looked it up? Is it the same guy? I mean, this guy. Well, surely not. Okay, Bradley well, D. Baker's a prominent voice actor, dude. He does a lot of work. If this is him, I'm gonna lose my shit. No, it's not. Okay, it's not. It's not. <laughs> that okay. would have. I, I, I wanted to check it out because if it was, that'd have been a great moment for me. No, him. that would have freaked me the great fuck moment. out. Actually, but that would have been sick. Yeah, and no, it's some dude named Roman Varshavsky, which sounds like someone who should be voicing Makarov. So it makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, you know, after he shoots down this one and says, "I believe you," Crosshair asks the rest, "Do you have any information you'd like to share?" And the passengers respond, scared. We don't know anything. We promised, tra- we were just promised transport off the world. That's all. And these are clearly civilians. There's, there are no longer fighters here. And uh, Crosser says, then you're of no use to the Empire. And he puts a gun to his head. And you're like, fuck. Like, God damn. He's just going to kill everybody. And one of the elite squad stands up to him. He says, what are you doing? Guerrero's fighters are dead. These are civilians. We should bring them in. And Crosshair retorts, those aren't our orders. And the guy says, forget our orders. This is wrong. And Crosshair asks one more time, just to make sure, before he's like, okay, before I take the action I'm about to take, before so you're I not going you. to comply. So uh, you're not going to comply. Yeah, say it like him. Say it like the dog he is. Because Crosshair is the best character says, in this job. He says, no, none of us are. He turns to the squad and he says to ignore the clone. We signed up to be soldiers, not an execution squad. And Crosshair asks if he knows why they chose him to be in charge. It's because he's willing to do what must be done. Now say it like him, Colton. Now say it like him. I can't. I don't have a great Crosshair yet. You don't know why yet. they put me in charge. Because I'm willing you to want do to know why they put me in charge. I can't do it yet. It's As just I too, said earlier, too raspy, and I can't. I can't replicate it yet. That man I'll is bad news. Though. He is a menace to society. He is a menace, but he's a dog. Oh, man. The man is dog. No, like he he has he has become one of the most compelling characters, if not the most compelling character in the oh, series. Because you no. see at the end of this episode that he is he's he seems conflicted. But Colton, he doesn't seem like he is one hundred percent what he's into. Omega. Omega. Oh, Obviously, Omega. I love Omega. <laughs> And Omega, Omega is my number one right now. But Crosshair, no, just, cross, no, Crosshair is fun to watch. Like he yeah, is fun. He is. Just when he's on the screen, just his presence and that like intenseness about him is super fun to watch. Especially when I, the contrast of like Omega being her little, you know, happy and like like she's just her character so light. You know what I mean? Like just in terms mm-hmm. of like her. Well, that was always. This is. I'm so glad they made him the one who went that. That's inhibitor ship went bad because here's my thing. I didn't, I, I didn't think he fitted in anyway. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was too intense originally, like in the bad batch arc of clone wars, he seemed too intense for the rest of the bad batch. Mm-hmm. I was just like, so I'm glad they've gone this direction. I hope to see your redemption. Obviously oh, we're seeing the redemption. We're seeing it. I think, I think we'll see, we'll see a, we'll see a Star Wars style redemption. You and you'll know, get to that thing. Act. Yeah. You'll get to that scene, but I'm, I'm seeing the redemption. 
Yeah, we are. We are. But you know, he reaches <laughs> Crosshair reaches for his blaster and shoots the squad member in the chest. Uh, he collapses in front of his comrades and he says, good soldiers follow orders. He tells the others to finish the mission. And as he watches on, the others kill the remaining civilians. One of them has a fucking flamethrower, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> mortifying. No, this really yeah. gave me, this reminded me of, which, and I guess when you think about this, this makes a lot of sense, I guess, if they're kind of the ones that are laying the groundwork for what they want to become. They they succeeded. But the scene in um The Force Awakens, the beginning, the very, very beginning, when they all land and just come out and just fan out and just, just murk everyone in the whole village that just that kind of like it it makes sense that this is what leads to that like it makes sense that this is they're trying to build to that and this is where they started that makes sense absolutely i'm with you and uh and and even this even started with the separatists this is what this is what palpatine had dooku had the separatists do is just go to places by the end of the clone wars and ransack the place mm-hmm. so that people hate the republic and yeah. are okay with the security and empire will bring them yeah and this is where and rampart, eventually, this, is, this is where rampart and cameron owens you know they were talking about you know and we're also we were talking about you know what the clones loyalty is you know installed and then also with them like this is this is the this is also the flaw you're seeing. This is the flaw you're seeing with the um with with getting conscripted soldiers is you had the one conscripted soldier soldier who did just what the bad batch did and was like, okay, these are civilians. These aren't soldiers. These are civilians. Here's here's where I think the benefit of conscripted soldiers comes in is the fear aspect. Them watching a comrade get shot by a commander and then order them to do the same. It it will scare regular people more than it'll scare clones because those clones value, value brotherhood and not leaving anyone behind. They are programmed to have that, have that inkling, you know? And, and so people are going to, or their first in their mind is their own life. And so if, if they have a commander threaten their life with follow orders or die, they're going to follow orders. But see, you also don't have to threaten yeah. the clones, though, because they'll just follow orders no matter what. Well, but also, I was kind of thinking about it some more because we were talking about it earlier. I think part of the issue that that the that the Empire is going to have with the clones as well is they can re- they can be reprogrammed. They can have contingencies programmed into those into those chips. So who's to say that the Kaminoans haven't programmed some contingency of, you know? They turn their back on us, so let's go ahead and flip all these clones over to now hate the Empire, just like they were programmed to hate the Jedi and to turn on the Jedi. So conscripted, conscripted soldiers aren't going to have that that switch in their heads that you can just flip and have them switch who the enemy is that that you could with the clones. So that's always going to be a a downside of the clones is they can be reprogrammed and flip on who and flip on the Empire. True, true. And it is also human nature to want to be on the winning side. So, like these conscripted soldiers, it's like, well, fuck. If I'm not fighting for the empire, there's a chance they're going to hunt me down and kill me anyway. Like, there's, there's just that, there's just that option. They could come to my planet and ransack it for resources. You just never know. So, I might as well be, might as well be a part of their team. But uh, back in the back with the Bad Batch and back in the hole, Omega tracks the dragon. Uh, she finds the capacitor, but hears snarling behind her. 
and it roars in her face and she sits back terrified pointing her blaster at it and hunter wakes up outside he's in a fucking panic he's like omega and uh he tracks her and realizes where she's gone she's gone straight into that ordo moon dragon hole and uh Omega hears uh hears him call her name from above, and uh, she sees the dragon move its head wherever she moves the flashlight, and she realizes, oh shit, homeboy's just hungry. He just wants some food. It's probably pretty hard to find some energy on a planet with not a lot of people. Yeah, that seems like a no, very tough arrangement. Like, this has got to be finite, right? I mean, he's going to run yeah, out. Yeah, like, the reason this this boy is hunting is because, like, boy, I haven't eaten in weeks. Damn. Imagine, I mean, imagine an animal being like, yo, I need you to litter so I can stay alive. Like, imagine that being the raccoons. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Um, but also, be- me, I mean, they could also, like, draw energy through like from, like, the sun or some shit like that. Because if, if, the, if this thing was on a planet with, like, with like people living on it and like technology and power and all that shit on it. Th- those animals aren't living there for long. They're going to get hunted down because <laughs> sure, I don't think very... people are going to take very kindly to this thing. Just come and swiping their fucking power coils and dipping. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know, she throws her flashlight away so that the uh, dragon will go chase it. And she runs off with the capacitor and she makes it back to the surface where Hunter dusts her off and asks what she was thinking going down there. And, she retorts, the mission was to retrieve the capacitor, wasn't it? I tracked the dragon like you did. And he's like, well, goddamn, yeah, yeah, you did. And you're, you're just fine. And he realizes she has his blaster. He's like, yo, are you fucking for real? You just took my gun off my unconscious body? And he, she's like, don't worry, I didn't have to use it. And I think there's imagine, this moment where Hunter, yeah, Hunter is very impressed. Yeah, no, he I was like, going to say, imagine looking at a little kid and like, you don't know how this animal has been, like how she has came out of this animal who's been fucking your shit up. Like, you don't know how this animal could possibly be defeated. And all of a sudden a little girl comes out of the hole with just the thing you needed and the animal, you know, it's down there. What is your first thought going to be when she's like, I didn't use that. I'd be like, we need to fucking kill this little girl. Like she is a problem. <laughs> she, like she. She is magic. She is she's out here. She's out here handling a fucking behemoth out, just on she's her own. Burn her at the stake. Air hands. <laughs> no the blaster. She said, "Fuck the blaster, I, dude. I'm running. I am." Yeah, running. you know what? Maybe I was wrong earlier. I said crosshairs a menace. <laughs> fucking Omega's a menace. Omega <laughs> looked that Ordo Moon Dragon in the face and said, "Fuck out of here," and it ran. Said, so "What the fuck you gonna do about it, bitch? You ain't about that action. You ain't about that action." But uh. Back on Camino, the elite squad arrives back before Tarkin, and uh, Crosshair informs him that Guerrero was already gone, but the rest of the camp was dealt with. And uh, he, you know, Crosshair nods his team to come with him, and I thought, like, damn, he's really got, he's got his thumb on these guys. Like, they're on, they, they're not gonna disregard his order. And uh, Tarkin and the newly minted Admiral Rampart discuss how it is, uh, it's impressive that these soldiers followed through where the brothers of their clones did not. And Tarkin grants the Admiral full control of the project and says that the clones, for a small time, shall continue to serve a purpose, but they will move to this new method of armed forces, Nothing, uh, noting that cloning is a relic of the past. So he's like, we're officially moving forward with War Mantle. Do your thing. Yeah. You got this, Rampart. And he said, uh, basically, wow, looks like you guys are down one member. Anyway, um, the... Just forget the dude. Hey, why, why are you guys down one person? Where'd he go? Oh, well, whatever. 
What's for lunch? No questions asked. And Rampart Rampart didn't give a shit either. He was like, they know that they know the risks. Like they they knew that guy was dead. They were like, the only reason he didn't come back is because he's dead, and we don't give a shit that he died. So yeah, I kind of wish. I was kind of hoping that they would that like Tarkin would say something, being like, "Where's the last dude?" And Crosshair he would have gotten Crosshair would have given him just the good soldiers follow orders, and then just like walked away. More than just you know, I I wanted something more than them them just like walking off the ship and they're just being like, "Hmm, I see your squad is missing a member. Makes sense." I didn't like that guy anyway. Tar- uh, talking to me like I didn't like that guy anyway. Yeah, he's like, yeah, fuck that guy. He sucked anyway. But yeah, you know the prime minister and Nalase discuss how if uh, Rampart has his way, conscripted soldiers will make clones obsolete. And uh, the prime minister says he fears for the future of their operation that their clones must remain essential. And Nalase notes that the or- the original genetic material harvested from Jango Fett continues to degrade. And the the prime minister says it's time to move to the next phase. If her experiment can yield a superior clone, it will secure the relationship with the empire. It's like, oh, her experiment. And I believe this experiment was Omega. And she says that such a contingency cannot be counted on without a direct source. The clones, the, the clones required will not return willingly. She moves to the window where they now overlook the table where clone force 99 sat at mealtime, as we saw in episode one. So, their plan was to clone enhanced clones and then enhance those clones and then probably clone those clones and then enhance those clones and so on and so forth. And I was just, I think that's interesting. The prime minister says that they are Kaminoan property and that they only need one. Their survival hinges on it. So, I mean, you do have crosshair right there, but maybe they don't want to fuck with crosshair because crosshair is so dedicated to the empire. Maybe that's their problem. Oh, that they, makes can't, they can't discreetly. Yeah, but you know that they know that none of the other ones are gonna fuck with them either. <laughs> like, true. Well, true. I mean, like, you, it's like you also may not know because Nalase did help them escape, kept the bay door open. So I mean, there, you just you could never know. But there could be a secret meeting that they meet up with her later on in the show or in whatever next season or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you, you know. Nalase could not even be on the Kaminoan sides at this point. Like, was she protecting the experiment or was she truly protecting Omega in a in a caretaker way? Like, I need her to get away from here safe. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, I guess I guess we'll learn more and more about that as it as it becomes apparent. But Crosshair and his squad arrive back to their barracks, which they've inherited. Clone Force 99's barracks, and uh, he looks at the tallies on the wall from where Wrecker left them before, and uh, he sits on his bed, and he does the classic pose that we've seen in Star Wars Rebels, and uh, from one Callus, where he just sits in his Imperial barrack and looks down at his feet like, why am I here? Yes. Why do I do, th- why do, I do the things I do? Yes. So... Uh, it's abundantly clear to me that Crosshair is not fully on board with the actions he's nope. taking, but he just cannot stop what he's doing. Yep. Like that's what the inhibitor chip is doing. Mm-hmm. Cue the redemption arc scene. This is the cue. This is the cue, ladies and gentlemen. He looks at the tallies. He walks in, head oh. down. Yes, he looks at the tallies, walks in, head down. There's going to be a moment, like you said, Star Wars-esque, where he's going to have to make a decision. He's going to have to make a decision, and you're going to see that Look both ways. Crosshair, please. Get electrocuted by the Lord Palpatine. You know, no, I'm joking. It's not going to be like that. But. No, he's going to get it. He's going to get a lightsaber through the back. Facts, facts. Where Crosshair, Crosshair is going to like, 
be aiming down uh aiming down someone from the clone force and he's going to have a shot and it's going to be like he'll miss on purpose right and uh he'll be like i missed and then darth vader will stick his sword through his back and he'll be like i don't and that'll be it and then six-year-old luke will pop out and be like yes (laughs) (laughs) but i honestly think but i honestly think yes i was like yes uh, this seeing this scene with him you know you can see that he's thinking, you know, he's and, and Crosshair is not just a mindless. When he has his okay, when he has his helmet on, yes, he looks like a, he sounds like a mindless drone. Good soldiers follow orders. But seeing, being able to see his facial expressions with his helmet off and seeing his reactions to stuff, yes, they keep turning up the bad. inhibitor chip. Yeah, he keeps look. They guess they keep turning up the inhibitor chip, but he still is. You know, part of him was still there, you know, where the regs, they all just switched over a hundred percent, but part of him still sits to be there and linger. That's why at first when they even, when the chip even was activated, you know, yes, he was like, you let the Jedi get away, but you know, it was kind of like, he still had his personality and he still was, you know, talking to them. Yeah. Still crosshair, working with them, fighting with them, going through training with them, teaming with them. So no matter how, I I feel like, yes, they keep trying to turn this up or maybe just test it, but still part of him still resides in there. Otherwise he would have just ignored the tallies walking by, or he wouldn't sit there contemplating with his head down. So. 100%. 100 But you know, back with the bad batch, we have liftoff and uh, they are finally able to get up and running again. And Wrecker says it took long enough. He tells Omega to come with him. Tells her to cover her eyes, and Hunter kind of gives a little smile and follows. And uh, he leads, Wrecker leads her to her new bedroom, a cute little loft with a window into the galaxy and hanging lights. And she looks around smitten, and Wrecker asks, So what do you think? I thought this place could feel more like a home. She says it's perfect, and she thanks him, and he says it was nothing. And he watches her as she takes Lula into the comfort of a home he's created for her. And I was like, aww. Wrecker yeah. really cares about Lula. I, like I know you guys have seen Friends. This is this is Joey's this is Joey's penguin to Wrecker. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least Kyler's seen it. At least Kyler's seen it. Mm-hmm. Talk about she's Joey, it's Joey's Joey's little penguin. You know, that's that's Lula to Wrecker. Yeah, talk about she's never had a room before. But, Degenerate. Uh, but he, <laughs> he he passed it on. He passed it on, and I appreciated that. You know, he was willing to let go of it for. Omega because you know she needed she needs a pal and uh, she says I've never had my own room before and Hunter tells her that she's a part of the squad now too they all look at her and her little cubby and she looks out at the galaxy and we fade to black I almost barfed I almost barfed dog my ass Tillman get this lovely family I have a room now bitch you got a chair <laughs> you know, Ben, you got a chair. Shut up. No, hey, just... Tony Stark had a chair too, and look where that got him. Eventually dead again, but it, it helped him save the world. So. Kyler calling for the death of Omega? You heard it here first. <laughs> Kyler calls for the death. Paul, I like how he insinuates oh, yeah. that you're so like, I'm like asking begging for it. For it. Like, please. Yeah. I mean, we it's heard those words out of your mouth, Kyler. We know you yeah. want her dead. On screen. On screen. <laughs> I, I don't know, guys. If they kill, I'm at the point where if they kill Omega, I'm willing to go Miles, Miles' threats to Disney headquarters from, from Mandalorian and WandaVision on the ass, uh, and burn that um, bitch down. Um, That's those threats still I'm stand, at. Disney. <laughs> What's, the, oh god, we're making threats to Disney now? 
Oh yeah, that's right, Dylan. You weren't on there for that for those. No. No, I like Yeah, Miles on multiple occasions threatened to burn Disney to the ground. All I want to know is Disney, I have nothing to do with this. I have the Disney Plus app on my phone, my PlayStation, my TV, my TV at school. So please do not set off a bomb through the programming of the app. Thank you. They can do that? (laughs) Disney, they can do anything. They own Gatorade. I I will bid you all adieu. Boys, it was another episode of the Bad Batch Bitches. This was the Penny Bloom Podcast. Twas I, Colton Robertson. I was joined by Tillman McClooney. Thank you very much. Hey, they call me Chocolate Chip. They call me Snickers Bar. They call me Tillman McClooney. I'm happy to be here. I'll miss you all. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be able to have another chance to hop in here, but thank you for having me. I'm certain, I'm certain yeah. you will, Till. You'll be back, you'll be back before you know it. And, uh, thank you, thank you for hopping in for Joe. I, I appreciate you coming out the gate with a, with praise for Dave Filoni. You, you, you slid right into Joseph's role really well. He can't seem well, to stop oozing about yeah, how Dave we, Filoni needs his ass eight. Yeah, but I was going to say, before we continue, Tillman, would you say that Dave Filoni deserves every single sex act imaginable performed no, on him? I'm not, um, an extremist like Joseph. Okay. You just think he's him. a good dude. Yes, I think he's a great guy. And the other guy, whoever he is, I love you too. Well, thank you, Miles, motherfucking Buttress. I mean, you know, anytime, man. Anytime. I mean, like, next week, even? Perhaps? Even? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Of course. Keep the diversity going. (laughs) And lastly, thank you, KBZ Kyler Barnett. Absolutely. Always happy to be here. Absolutely. Again, this was the Penny Bloom Podcast. If you want an extended, unedited version of this podcast, we have an additional like 20-minute intro, I think, on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Corobloom. C-O-R-O-B-L-O-O-M. Follow on Twitter at Penny Bloom Pod. On Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And always praise Keanu Reeves.